every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We have some breaking news that uh, just came across a few minutes ago. And opposed to, uh, you know, uh, doing it myself, uh, Austin, of course, uh, put out the bat signal. And we'll uh, let our next guest, who is responsible for this fine piece of journalism, along with Tony Jones. uh, Joining us now, he is Chris Camrani from The Athletic. Uh, Chris, you've got some breaking news up on The Athletic right now. Yeah, so uh, sources have informed Tony Jones and myself that Alex Jensen has removed his name from the running for the University of Utah vacant head basketball coaching job. Um, I, I think a lot of folks assumed that Alex was going to have the, the first bite at the apple, um, but you know, folks have told us that it just wasn't the right timing, and um, Alex has interviewed for head coaching jobs in the NBA the last couple of years now. He is a known commodity in the NBA circle. I think it's only a matter of time that an NBA team is going to hire Alex to, to lead their franchise. So while the poll to go back home, albeit you know five miles up the road, was, was strong, ultimately Alex Jensen decides to stay put. Do we know anything about the uh, sort of the, 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 the order of preference uh, for Mark Harlan? Uh, we don't know. I think I think Alex was number one, Gordon, and I think mm-hmm. everyone else is kind of a, a combined one B at this point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Craig Smith moves to the top of the list now. I know um, you know Johnny Bryant is a name that's being thrown out there, but um, like Alex, does does Johnny Bryant want to leave an associate head coaching job with the New York Knicks, where he just recently moved to? to relocate across the country and, and return to his alma mater. I don't know, but, but one new name that's, that's been floated uh, by folks in the know to Tony and myself is Mike White, who is the head coach at the University of Florida, has led them to five uh, straight NCAA appearances. I'm counting last year as an NCAA appearance, even though they qualified, even though the tournament got canceled. So um, there, there are names in the mix, guys, and it is a – it is an intriguing job for a lot of people, and it is the first major hire um, for Mark Harlan in his tenure as an AD. Chris, yours and Tony's piece just went up, and I'm about uh, two and a half paragraphs into it, so I apologize if you cover this in the piece. But uh, did you guys hear anything from the jazz side of things? Were, how active were they in uh, trying to convince Alex to stay put? Well, we, we haven't heard anything particular from the jazz side of things yet. It was just a matter of, uh, the Jazz knew how important Alex was to their operation. He has been for a very, very long time. He is an integral part of what they do. I think you can make the argument that without Alex Jensen, Rudy Gobert doesn't get to where he is as a player in such a quick amount of time. Um, I, I don't know, you know, specifics in terms of 
you know, if there was anything changed from a contract perspective, but I know that Alex wanted to stay put and it was his decision to take his name out of the running. I know that uh, Quinn holds uh, Alex in high, high regard, you know, and that, that's obvious in what you were just saying, Chris. Uh, what do you think about that? If that decision were laid in your lap, what would you do? <laughs> I love that you hold me in such high regard as, as well, Gordon. That means a lot, man. Um, <laughs> that's, I, if I'm Alex Jensen, I, I do what Alex decided to do ultimately, and that's take his name out of the running. Um, when you're so close on the precipice of the pinnacle of coaching and when you've interviewed for multiple head coaching jobs, that means that people know that you're really good. And anytime you get to cut your teeth under a guy like Quinn Snyder, people are going to take notice. And it's not like Quinn's assistants haven't been, you know, really successful. You've seen uh, Johnny Bryant move on. Zach Guthrie went to Dallas. Igor went to, to Phoenix a couple of years ago to get the head coaching job there. People know that Quinn Snyder hires really good assistants. And, and when Quinn came here in 2014, Alex was one of the first guys that he decided to keep on staff because he was a holdover from the Tyrone Corbin era. So um, I, I think if it were me, and since nobody really asks me outside of you, Gordon, I do appreciate that. Uh, I, think, I think that the move long-term is the right move for Alex Jensen. Chris, do you have any idea how much uh, Utah is the, the pay range for what they're offering these guys? I think it depends on, on who the coach is, guys. I mean, I think the, the, the unique thing about this coaching search is you have so many different coaches, you know, perceivably in the mix, that are coming from so many different backgrounds. You have a guy like Alex Jensen, who is an associate head coach of the NBA team down the street. Then you have, you know, say a guy like Craig Smith up in Logan, who um, isn't making a ton of money, but, and, and doesn't have necessarily too grandiose of a buyout. I think it's like 1.1 or $1.2 million. So it's not like it would take a lot to get Craig Smith out of Logan. I think it just depends ultimately on, on who Mark and his staff really zero in on now that Alex is out of the running and um, who they envision in terms of keeping around long-term because Utah, I don't think people really foresaw Larry Kruskowiak staying at the position for almost 10 years. It's just so rare nowadays in college basketball. If you're not Bill Self or Mike Krzyzewski or Jim Beheim, people move around. So I think one of the crucial parts of this next coaching search is figuring out somebody who can get the, the program turned around, but also somebody who wants to be here long-term and make this a destination job for themselves. That, that's a really interesting aspect of the whole thing, Chris. Is there, obviously, Mark Harlan wants to hire a quality coach. Okay, we get that. Is there a specific kind of coach that you think is best suited for this job? You know what, Gordon? That's uh, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. I, I think what this program needs is personality wise, somebody, a mix between a Larry Chris Koviak and a Jim Boylan, somebody who can really go nuts and somebody who can be really even keeled and tempered. You need somebody to just reinvigorate this fan base. And it's a very difficult job to do because Utah is a football school now. And it's been that way for the last 15, 16 years. For 30 or 40 years, 
University of Utah was a basketball school through and through. But as we've seen the switch flip since Ron McBride and Urban Meyer and Kyle Whittingham, the job is a difficult job because there are fans there to get back in the seats, but you have to have the right coaching you know, style, right personality to do it. And I think, I mean, nobody's asking me except Gordon. So if, if I were making the decisions, I think a logical candidate and somebody who could do a great job, I think Craig Smith would be a home run hire for the University of Utah because of what he inherited at Utah State. I know he inherited a pro in Sam Merrill, but he's gone to the NCAA tournament three straight times. In just a very short amount of time, he was able to recruit a very impactful player from overseas like Namias Keita, and he was able to complement uh, a roster that frankly didn't have a ton of talent and get them to the NCAA tournament three years in a row. Um, so I think like if you're looking for the ideal candidate, I know Utah fans were really jonesing for a a former Ute to potentially come back and Alex Jensen or Johnny Bryant. I think Craig Smith is the guy, but that's my totally uninformed opinion. That's who I would go with. You know, can I follow up on that for a second, Jake? Because I I find that fascinating what you bring up there, Chris, about the enthusiasm factor, because that is Craig Craig Smith, right? And it's also Mark Pope. Those guys have that in common. And there's just sort of an energy that has come with those guys that not every coach has. Even some good coaches don't have that. I, and I also think the other thing, too, guys, is you have to have a coach who attracts a certain type of player stylistically. And Craig and Mark, just being in our backyard, are guys that have figured out a way to go out and recruit really tantalizing players, whether it's a defensive stalwart like Nemeas Keita or all of the talented guards that Mark Pope has been able to you know, muster up over his first couple of years in Provo. Those guys know like what winning basketball is to them, and I think you have to find a coach who understands that a what style they want to play, b what type of players they want to implore, but but really you just have to play a, an, an intriguing style of basketball, and it's not that hard to look at what some of these Pac-12 programs are doing in the tournament now, and seeing the likes of Oregon and SC and UCLA. These are all teams that have either recruited really high-profile players who have gone, or who have gone into the portal and snagged players from you know, programs or places all over the world to figure out how to complement that roster. So I think, for me, it, it, it has to start with like what you want to be representative of your program. And for, for me, I think Utah has to have a coach that can go out and find players that can score the basketball, be, in, be exciting. I mean, you can't. If you're Utah, I know you guys have covered this for a long time. If you're Utah, you can't be the third most exciting Division One program in the state, and that's what they've been for a while. Chris, with that Craig Smith take, I guess you're not planning on going back to Logan anytime soon, huh? <laughs> well, I will say, since Logan's Heroes has changed over ownership, since my guy Hamid sold off Logan's Heroes, I really don't have any reason to go back <laughs> anymore. And now that I don't work at the Tribune, my, my former boss, Joe Baird, doesn't have a reason to send me up Sardine Canyon in the winter to cover Utah men's basketball games, white-knuckle driving that canyon. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll welcome me back with welcome arms, but we'll see. You mentioned the success of the Pac-12 schools in the tournament thus far. Uh, what do you make of that, Chris? Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> bottom line is is you have – a coach in Dana Altman who has 
managed to construct a group that one through five can play every position one through five and do it well. He's gone out and recruited some, you know, high profile international players to complement those guys. Um, I think Oregon to me is the, is the current like study case on how you handle recruiting in 2021 from a college basketball standpoint, because you have some homegrown guys and then you have guys from all over the country you have guys from St. John's and, um, some other folks that they went and, you know, plucked out from, you know, SEC country, Big East country. Um, and then you look at like SC. I mean, SC has a future top five draft pick in, in the Mobley kid, and his brother is really good too. I mean, anytime you can have two seven-footers who can go out and play the point guard position or can shoot the three or can go down on the, be down on the block, that works. And I think the, the Utah roster might have some gems in it right now, but it has some – they need to do some work on that roster because – Outside of Timmy Allen, there are just some guys that, that are still young and pretty unproven. And if this Pac-12 run has shown us anything, it's shown us that, yeah, that, that young Utah team was pretty good because it, it stayed with so many of these, these teams that have made this Sweet 16 run. But it's also shown that, that they're kind of still far away because some of these teams are just so much more stacked talent-wise than they are. Chris, thank you very much for jumping on with us on short notice. Uh, great job on this story, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and sharing it with our listeners. Hey, Chris, I'm Chris yeah. can, I, uh, pay, can I pay Chris a compliment? <laughs> you're going to make me hang up the phone, Gordon? I, I, already, I already asked him what he would do if he were a coach and, and that uh, Mark Harlan should probably take your advice. But, uh, uh Jake, you know this. Chris is one of the best writers around. I just wanted to uh, to. I hope that doesn't sound patronizing anyway. Just he he's just a great great writer, and I I, I just wanted to say that. So anyway, well, I I appreciate that, guys. Whenever you need me, I'm always around. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you. See you, buddy. Thank you. Chris Camrani writes for the Athletic, uh, covers the Utes, does a terrific job, but uh, he's been in the market for a long long time. And you're right, Gordon does uh, terrific work. And we appreciate it when he's uh, able to jump on the show, uh, particularly when, when honestly, the news broke right before the segment came back and, and Austin uh, did a nice job uh, chasing him down. But I'm sure his phone is burning up, so he's, he's, it's really great. He could come on would with you, us and, and talk about it a little bit. What would you make of what he said? And sorry for stepping on you there, Jake, but uh, when I asked that question, but what would what, you make of his uh, assessment of the Craig Smith factor and uh, – and, and what a coach at Utah needs to do. Do you, do you agree with the enthusiasm uh, aspect of the whole thing? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's one way to do it. Uh, I, I, think the, I think maybe to, to put a broader term on it, somebody who can identify with uh, and get the most out of, uh, I guess, today's youth, <laughs> if mm-hmm. that makes yeah. any sense. I, I, I still think that there's more than one way to get the job done. And enthusiasm certainly is one of those ways. And, it, and it's worked a lot for a lot of different coaches, and, and Craig Smith certainly being one of those. Um, but I, I think you've got to find a guy, honestly, Gordon, and maybe this is oversimplifying it, but this is why I bet Alex Jensen was attractive uh, to that Utah uh, program was because you need somebody who can sell Utah, who can go out there and sell it, right? Mm-hmm. Who can sell why the opportunity here is good, uh, and and really have a message that lands to get players not only to want to come to the University of Utah but want to stay there, as uh, you know rules on transfers change. Uh, you need to to really m- sell it to players and to young people to to come here that they're going to succeed and thrive on and off the floor. And like I said, I think there's more than one way to do that. 
Uh, but enthusiasm is certainly one of those ways. You know, it's interesting to me that Alex decides to stay with the Jazz. I, a, a couple of reactions to that. The first one is I think the Jazz, uh, Quinn Snyder in particular, uh, are relieved to, to, to have Alex stay because he is highly valued. And, and Quinn already lost Johnny Bryan. So does he want to turn around and lose Alex Jensen, his number one guy, too? You know? That would that would be that's not easy to replace, and uh, I, I, I yeah, and I wonder I wonder what role Ryan Smith played in this whole thing. I wonder if he stepped up and said, "Nope, you're not taking my guy." Well, that's uh, I asked Chris, and and they yeah. had not heard anything on the on the Jazz front, but I would imagine that the Jazz found a way uh, to make Alex feel valued. Because honestly, honestly, and I followed up with Chris by asking how much this job's going to pay. Because yeah. if this job pays, uh, what two and a half million dollars, right around that is what they were paying Larry somewhere in that neighborhood. It was more than that. Um, okay, we we can double check, but uh, let's just say two and a half for for a nice round number. I mean, that would I guess I would guess be a really healthy pay increase. So you've got to, you know, I'm sure the Jazz found a way, and I don't know what that is. You know, maybe it's a, a raise with the Jazz. Maybe it's it's something else, responsibility, I don't know. But I would bet they, they found a way to make him feel valued. Isn't the best way to get a raise to get an offer from someone else? I don't know if that's the best way, but <laughs> that's a way. <laughs> hey, your your guy Steve Loom. Oh, man, and I just went away with this. Uh, he He's... T- uh, Tweeting out kind of a hot take for you, Gordon. Uh, Steve, okay. uh, here it is. Steve used to write for the Salt Lake Tribune and still member of the community and avid, uh, avid sports guy. Uh, he tweeted this out. He says, Utah AD Mark Harlan firing Larry Kraskoviak without knowing Alex Jensen would take the job is a major blunder, in my opinion. Well, it depends. It depends on who's on his list. Uh, and, you know, there might be a front runner, but there might be some other guys who he thinks very highly of as well. Uh, is that is that the old case? You don't uh, you don't uh, you don't cheat on your spouse unless you've got somebody else lined up. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean or it, you don't leave your spouse. I cheat, geez, you know. I was unaware of that rule. <laughs> uh, they, he, here's the thing: I like the fact that they didn't hire a search firm, and you know, I thought maybe they would have, like Steve said, some assurances that somebody was going to take it before they you know really made a move. But to be honest, it uh, it doesn't make a huge difference. Alex showed some interest, and maybe that's the vibe that Mark Harlan got. But I think move, parting ways with Larry Kraskoviak had more to do with Larry than it did who was in the waiting. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I will agree with that. For them to, to fire him you know, on the tail end of a pandemic. I think that's probably more to do with him than it is who's waiting in the wings. You know what I mean? Well, I had told you that I had heard whispers that uh, he was a goner one way or the other weeks, a month ago. Right. So. And so this thing had been talked about. I, I, I don't know about lining up a guy before, you know, to have a, to have something set up. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't know how often that's the case. But uh, I, I think he probably, Mark probably has a list of guys. And uh, I, I was under the impression that Alex wasn't really all that interested in the Utah job. I don't know if that's an absolute fact, but that was the impression I was getting. Well, he took an interview, so 
Yeah. But like you said, when we talked about that the first time, it's kind of like, okay, you want to talk? I'll, I'll listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but not blaming I, I him. Think, I don't think he was seeking it out far from it. No, I, I would uh, agree with that. But, I mean, you know, you keep your options open. I've got no problem with it. I'm not saying that critically. See, I don't think Alex Jensen is the only guy for that job. I think there are other guys who are uh, who who can energize the program beyond what Larry could do. Uh, and... Yeah, you know, Larry. Larry's a, a good person, I think, and a good man, and all that, and a good coach. But I think his time at Utah had sort of dried up, and uh, it was time for a new presence there. Uh, I know you and I have sort of gone back and forth on the timing of it and whatnot, but uh, but I think this is this if they get the right guy, and I'm sure that Mark has has a list, and uh, so we'll see who's next on that list after Alex because. Alex says, no way. Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call today, 801-253-3080. That is Davis Vision. We'll have uh, more next. You want to get to the Joe Ingles cut next, Austin? We'll, sure. We'll check in with the, the Joe Ingles show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to Chris Camerani. We jumped on the show. Uh, breaking news, Alex Jensen has uh, withdrawn his name from consideration for the vacant head coaching job at the University of Utah. Gordon, should we check in uh, with DJ and PK? We were going to do that in the last segment, but uh, breaking news took a little precedent, and it was nice we can grab Chris. So uh, should yeah, we check in with the Joe Ingles show? Uh, Joe, of course, join DJ and PK, and let's hear a little of that conversation. Question of the day, Joe Ingles. What is going on? <laughs> nope. So I had it right a couple of segments ago. That was Jeez. that was the wrong clip. We're we're, we're working. We on got it. switched to Google Drive today, and uh... oh yeah, the company's switching over from something to Google. So bear with us. So uh, how you doing today? We're ready now. We're good. Okay, here's <laughs> Joe Ingles. <laughs> When you hear all those guys are out, does it lose a little of the edge because you're not going to get to go against some of the best players and the biggest names in the NBA? Or do you have a little conversation with, hey, the guys like, hey, we can't have what happened with the Rockets happen again. We got to we got to go get this right from the start. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously in the morning, we kind of assumed that Harden would be playing. Um, Blake, we probably kind of knew on a back to back, but with I think Harden was questionable the night before as well, so we assumed that kind of he would play. So we actually did a fair bit of prep um, for him, obviously being and playing the way he's playing this year. It's obviously smart that we were preparing for a guy like that. But um, 
yeah, obviously we. I mean, you don't find out till pretty kind of pretty close to the game when the kind of final team gets put in. So, um, I mean, it, it's obviously it was nice to win and whatever, but it's it is frustrating. I mean, you want to see. Obviously, they they've got some guys with some pretty serious injuries as well, but but uh, James is obviously not well enough to go. But obviously, we would have liked him to if he could have just. Uh, just to have a have a good matchup, prepare against someone like that. We had a kind of a game plan that would have been a good time for us to try and execute something. And um, I think once he was out of the game, it goes a little bit more to like kind of do what we do, do what we normally do, um, play how how we normally play. Obviously, with a like I said, like with a guy like James, you get a game plan a little bit more and do some different things and try and make it as tough as you can on him. So, um, the, it, I mean, it never came up about, from the coaches, it never came up about Houston, but we, we did talk at halftime, um, just the players. Just so we didn't want, obviously want that to happen again and that we need to kind of keep our, our foot on the pedal and um, just keep playing the, the way we play. Um, like I said, it was more of a game of us executing defensively, kind of how we normally do, and then obviously offensively, um, a good chance for us to work on our offense of switching, of a team switching one through five, and uh, I think we'll see that more as we go on, and then obviously in the playoffs that happens a lot, so it was a good opportunity for that, um, and obviously we, we came out with a good win and got the, the young guys in there a little bit and stuff as well, so it was good. So there was a stretch earlier this month, Joe, as you know, your team had lost four out of six. And after the fourth loss, you went in the post game and uh, you said, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close. What do we want here? Do we want to get out of the first round? Do we want to compete to win a title? And it seemed like that was a little bit of moment of a moment of reckoning with the team. Do you think that that, that was something that really everybody took to heart? Because I thought it was a very pointed message that needed to be said. Um, I guarantee you they didn't read my, uh, my watch my press conference, but um, I mean it was a it was a feeling obviously that we had regardless. I think everyone kind of um, regardless of who went to media around that time. I, I think it was it was probably a very similar feeling. I think we just um, not that we had taken the foot off a little bit, but we we just weren't playing well, and we'd had times in that streak or when we were winning all those games that even when we weren't playing well we were figuring things out and some of those games we just weren't we weren't adjusting we weren't offensively playing the way we wanted to play we weren't getting stops like we we were defensively we were giving up offensive rebounds I'm sure, I can't remember off the top of my head but I'm sure there was a couple of those games that we had a, a high number of turnovers um, and it's just I guess the my kind of statement on that part from that night would have been in regards of like we just these are the little things that we like we've talked about a lot these are the little things we've recognised that like when we do turn the ball over we give up offensive rebounds we're not doing the little things and and the stuff that has made us such a good team it it is clear that we can take a few levels down and and not play well at all and then we're at kind of the mercy of whoever we play like we just we put ourselves in positions that we don't need to put ourselves in. And um, I think everybody feels that. And like we've all played long enough, coaches have coached, like you can feel there's times 
in the schedule or whatever it is that you're going to be tired. Like there's there's just no way around it. There's, there's things like that that are just going to be the way it is. But um, there's a lot of stuff too, regardless of how we feel out there, that we can still we feel like we can still control. So um, yeah, I think just a few of those things were slipping in a little bit. And, and I mean, it's the truth, really. Like I, I think we've we've shown obviously we're we're a playoff team, not just this year, but but in the past as well. And um, we've had first round exits basically every time and I think we got swept a couple of times in the second round or maybe won a game um, so it's kind of like draw that line in the sand like do we want to keep doing that or do we do we want to take that next step and that push forward and um, we we realise I think every night like we're, we're going to get a lot of teams best shots so we do have to be ready uh, but a team like last night like, like you said before with the Houston like there's young guys, hungry guys, some guys playing for jobs, some guys trying to keep their spot in the rotation, like whatever it is. But same as that Houston situation, like they play really hard. Like that's just a that's one thing I think. Regardless if you're a new guy to the team and you don't know the system, offense, defense, you don't know the guys, um, you, you can play hard. And um, I think in the Houston game, we got kind of we got pushed around a little bit and. and um, at times, for sure, they just were, were playing harder than us. So uh, I don't think it might have been a, a little stretch or two in that game, but it was very short, and we were able to capitalise on it. And like I said, just get a good win and, and obviously build on that for for now tomorrow night. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK usually on Thursdays, as it was this morning, Thursday mornings, a little bit before nine. Usually, sometimes depends on their practice schedule and games and those sorts of things. But uh, what'd you what'd you think about what Joe had to say this morning, Gordon? Well, in general, I got the feeling like uh, they're 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 focused on uh, the work at hand and uh, not, you know, as he he said, uh, don't take your foot off the pedal. You know, keep uh, keep barreling ahead. And uh, I, I I think the Jazz are aware that they've played really well and they've had a, that little slip up that PK asked them about and 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 now they don't want to allow that to happen so they're moving forward with the urgency that Quinn Snyder I think it's a word he likes to use so yeah i i, I think uh, they're in a pretty good uh, mental state right now but joe also talked about how hard it is to keep that up night in yeah. and night out and talked about uh-huh. how stuff happens like fatigue and those sorts of things i mean it's like we've talked about a lot gordon it's a long nba season there's a lot of games. There's a lot of games against a lot of good teams and a lot of games against a lot of bad teams. And it's it's got to be hard to keep that focus and effort uh, 24-7. I mean, that's that's what he said about the Houston game, that, uh, you know, the effort wasn't there because it's hard sometimes. Well, yeah, winning is hard, right? Losing is easy. Well, the NBA is hard is more what I was getting at. Well, but winning in the NBA is hard. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, they want to. Do you think do you think it's harder on a team that is winning than a team that is losing? Harder in what way? Well, I, I wanted you to sort of explore that a little bit. Well, because wasn't it uh, you who had a long sit-down interview with Aaron Williams, something about winning and losing, and how it made his life so miserable? Or was that somebody well, else? Losing losing can be hard, and they're both hard, but it's surprising that winning is hard, too, from a standpoint, from a mental standpoint. Like, uh, it, okay, you've set this expectation for yourself. Now it's an indictment if you don't keep that up. And so you have to 
you have to stay focused every night. If you're in that sort of in-between stage where, okay, it'd be nice to win tonight, but we really don't have to, uh, then then that can you can cruise a little bit. But when the Jazz want to hold on to that number one spot in the West, uh, yeah, they they've got to uh, they've got to prepare properly, and they've got to have the right attitude, and they've got to have the right work ethic in place to go out and get that done. And like you said, uh, the length of the season and the number of games, I think it's easy to lose sight on any particular night. And so, yeah, that's hard. That is hard to do, but uh, it's well worth it, I imagine, in the long run to be winning than losing because you know you're you're good at what you do and you know your team is good too. That's, that's the kind of team Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert want to play for. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We want to remind you we're going to be at the warehouse tomorrow. Come check us out, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It's The Warehouse. Gordon, it's time for a market update brought to you by TryDayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. How did those markets do today? You want the good news first or you want the good news? Uh, The good news? All right. The S&P was up just over 20 points. Hell yes. (laughs) The NASDAQ, which has been suffering a little bit of late, was up nearly 16 points. Yes. Yes, indeed. And the Dow, the Dow was up just shy of 200 points. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) One of the all-time great calls. Yeah, it was okay. Wait, wait, wait. Could have used some emotion and some passion. Yeah. All right. Were you alive when that happened? I don't think so. No. It's okay. No, it's, it's kind of like your Beatles take but right there. But does that matter if he was alive, by the way? Yeah. He's heard the I, call. A zillion because, times. Yeah, yeah, but when you're when you're experiencing it for the first time, I think it gra- I mean, live, it grabs a hold of you a little bit. Well, one, I don't believe you watched that live because nobody watched it live, right? Uh, That's accurate. I think I did. I think I did watch. Were it. you no. were there in person? Yeah, you were. You were there because no. I mean, I. It was tape delayed. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. Well, it was exciting, uh, and I wasn't sure that you felt like it was all that good. I also thought they tape delayed it in the middle of the night. No, it was fine. It's Al Michaels. It's a legendary call. It's just you know like, I mean, it's like pointing to the Beatles and saying, "Wow, they're a great band." I mean, you know, what? What do you mean, what? Let's, let's, I, I don't get, I don't get that analogy at all. It's it's an obvious thing to say. What an amazing call. One of the great calls of all time. Right. It's obvious to you. say the Beatles are good. I got right. you. I thought you were referring to, to Al Michaels. Um, it's no FAU wears right waters. No, it's, it's nobody ever has gone, well, that call's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Finn Scully in the, I, I don't believe you. what I just saw. Yeah, you know, it was kind of lacking, I thought. Have you ever read about that? Did he that was Jack Buck, that? by the way. Oh, Jack did, Buck, did, you're did, right. Did, Sorry. He, did he practice that uh, 
Do you believe in miracles? Did he, did he have that in his mind? I believe he said it was his... organic. He has said many times that it just popped into yeah. his head. Only Jim Nance rehearses in the mirror what he's going to say. I don't know about only Jim Nance, but yeah. Well, no one does it more than Jim Nance. How about that? How many times before the Masters do you think he says hello, friends? Well, that's a joke now. Yeah, a tradition like in... Unlo- Dang it! Dang it, Jim! Go! <laughs> you know, he's trying to make like $20 million a year or something crazy. He's like negotiating his contract He'll get right it. now. He should. KSL Zone? A while ago, but yeah. He's come a long way since jumping in a uh, hot tub with Pace Mannion and John Stockton. That's right. <laughs> yes, he has. Yeah, he's called some of the best. Oh, and who else was cold. in there? Ricky, uh... No, Is it Ricky uh, Green? No. No. Uh, oh, really bad mustache guy. But only, you know... Kelly, they? Rich Kelly. Rich Kelly. Yeah, you know, they could replace Nance with a, another good head of hair. I mean, what's that guy bringing to the table? <laughs> Such a nice well, Jim's guy. Jim's head of hair isn't all that great anymore. I know, you know that's but... true. It's not. But I was going to let you like make that joke instead of me. Anyone that has he... enough money... To have a replica, a hole from the Pebble Beach in their backyard, I automatically dislike that person. Immensely. Oh, come on. Do you really dislike Jim Nance? He could be the best person on earth, but he's flaunting his money by building a replica to the grass blade hole of Pebble Beach in his backyard. Okay, hold hold on, hold on there. If you made as much as Jim Nance did and you had as much money as he Uh he has and you loved golf. yeah. You think there's something morally incorrect with him doing um, that? Is every child in the world going without hunger today? Okay, then well, I'll build a replica hole in my backyard. Okay, okay. so wait a second. So you think that somebody who makes a lot of money should donate 90% of it to uh, charitable causes? Fill the burn, Gordon. Hey, well, uh, do, do, no, no. Do you really think that? Because that is an interesting question that everybody has to sort of. Everyone can do what they with. want with their own money, but I can also no. judge you for what you do with your own money. How about <laughs> okay. that? I, I, I just uh, wonder well, because that's a decision everybody has to make uh, uh, for those in this country who uh, are comfortable, beyond comfortable. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you do? You can sit there and say... I was just okay, having no, a little fun, Gordon. Do, I didn't do, mean No, no, I know, I know, but it's We don't need to get into what, uh, what uh, Beck would, would think of this. No, it's an interesting uh, question, I think, that people have to decide for themselves. When you make a certain amount of money, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to buy a big house? Are you going to buy a house that's uh, suitable for your needs and then... Donate the rest of it. I mean, that's something that you know people have to decide. That uh, I, I think that's actually. I know you hate people who have held, have some degree of wealth, but uh, you know, I mean, that that's that's uh, that's an important question. Now, the question I have is: What if it wasn't Pebble, Pebble Beach? What if it was like Nibbly Number Eight? <laughs> Would that be okay, Austin? Uh, mm, I think I draw the line at uh, Goofy Golf replicas okay <laughs> so for you've got like, a windmill or a clown's mouth I'll, I'll allow it what if it's like a like one of those short par threes at four lakes you know they're like 40 yards long no no i'm, no, gonna, I'm gonna judge requires, you okay all right that requires a decent sized lawn think of uh, we're in a drought everybody and think of if we had to then water jim nance's pebble beach hole 
Take a lot of water. All right, stay Take tuned. Take it easy, hair. Sam Amick joins us next, 97.5 <laughs> and 1280 The Zone.